1: And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast. It is Monday, October 3rd. Week 4 is wrapping up with one more game set to play this week, and the news from this weekend just keeps on coming. We're going to dive straight into this, but joining me today as we talk about not only what happened over week 4, but how it's going to impact week 5, some best bets for tonight, little DFS options, and things like that. Let me go ahead and welcome in uh, both of our co-hosts for today, both of them fantasy football analysts here at Pro Football Network. Jason Catch, you can find him over on Twitter at Jason Catch13, and Ian Warden at NFL Film Study. Gentlemen, it is it's going to be a jam packed one because the information we're getting coming in as uh, just for a peek behind the curtains, if we'll a little, little Wizard of Oz moment. Uh, we are recording this right around noon ish on Monday, uh, just so we get a little bit of information. And the stuff that we're getting this morning is not good. Uh, in case you have not already seen the reports, let me go ahead and give it to you and break the bad news. But Javante Williams, the star running back for the Denver Broncos, is now out for the rest of the 2022 season after suffering a not only a torn, aqu- a torn ACL, but also looking at an MCL and PCL in his knee. He will be done for the year. Additionally, we just saw that Cordero Patterson was also uh injured in the last game as well and he is going to uh be placed on IR but at least we'll have him back. Uh I think what we'll do is let's go ahead and kind of start with the Denver Broncos and attack this thing one on one here we'll start with uh Ian kind of give us your uh your quick thoughts right now on what this means for the Denver Broncos and then uh, and then Cats I'd like to hear your opinion on this too.
2: Yeah, major bummer man. this it, it definitely puts a damper on what we learned this weekend and and obviously, you know, this is one of our guys that we talked about all offseason. Everyone had high yep. expectations for him. So huge bummer looking at Mike Boone, looking at Melvin Gordon, going to see how that tandem works out. Is Mike Boone more of a 1A, 1B situation or is he clearly like the the RB2? Uh, that's going to be my top takeaway. And then obviously looking at the betting angles here, Denver just keeps taking hits. They haven't looked good mm-hmm. this year. The guy that they needed to rely on, obviously needed to see more out of Russ, but like Javante was going to be part of that answer, and so now he's not there. Just their ceiling keeps lowering and lowering as weeks go by.
1: Yeah, I mean the worst part about it is, like I said, it's the struggles of 2022 are going to now impact the 2023 season, and I think that's what that's one of the worst things that could have happening, especially after losing Tim Patrick earlier in the year, who I think the Broncos are desperately missing. Cats, kind of give us, give me your uh, your first reaction on this uh, on the news that we're hearing that Javante Williams will miss the uh, the rest of the season. <laughs>
0: Uh, echo Ian's thoughts here. Just terrible for a guy who's so young and talented, someone I liked so much. But um, for fantasy, we got to look forward and see how this backfield is going to shake out. And uh, yeah, I share Ian's uh, questions about whether it will be a timeshare with Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone, or if it'll be a one A one B situation. I mean, if if week if week four was any indicator, it may actually be one A one B in the other direction. I'm not exactly sure why we saw. Uh, Mike Boone play ahead of Melvin Gordon. I think it has something to do with Melvin Gordon's uh, fumbling issues that he's had. Mm-hmm. But uh, the reality is we saw Mike Boone play 19 snaps to Melvin Gordon's 10. I mean, 10 is, I think that's his lowest with the Broncos, not counting game he got hurt. Uh, Boone ran more routes than Melvin Gordon. He saw more targets. They mashed in carries. Uh, again, it was an in-game situation where Melvin did fumble. So I don't want to necessarily read too much into, into it i'd be surprised if we saw a mike boone full takeover but I, I think for fantasy managers it's something we need to consider as a possibility when we put in our uh, waiver claims this week
1: yeah i, I think it's a very good point and also we'll have to double check and see if there's see if they make any free agent acquisitions too uh there's always some veterans that are floating around out there and while it it doesn't necessarily help fantasy because we're adding just a couple more chefs into the kitchen um nfl teams they love depth and there's a reason they brought back melvin gordon was because they wanted as much high-level talent as possible. So we'll see what the Denver Broncos want to do moving forward. Uh, and once again, Mike Boone is something we're going to talk about here when we get to the kind of get to the waiver section as well. Uh, I think one more other big injury news that we did just see was Cordero Patterson, who is now injured, like I said, going to be placed on the injured reserve, uh, according to head coach Arthur Smith, who announced at his press conference. Uh, Cordell Patterson had been dealing with a knee injury prior to Sunday's victory over the Cleveland Browns and played... Uh, uh, a little bit before shutting it down as the game progressed, um, except for like one run late in the, uh, in the second half. Is this a situation where you guys are going to be targeting the backup on the waiver wire, or is this going to be one where it's like, Hey, it's, it's Cordell Patterson, or I'm kind of not trusting the situation. Uh,
0: I'm not really interested in any of the Falcons running backs. Like on the surface, the reality is this isn't a great offense. And, we, we saw in the second half after Patterson exited the game, Tyler Algier, 10 carries total. Caleb Huntley, 10 carries. They even gave Avery Williams seven snaps. This was kind of like a two-and-a-half-man timeshare between Algier, Huntley, with, with Williams mixing in a little bit. And I kind of think what we're going to see going forward is Tyler Algier play like 40% of the snaps, Huntley 30%, and maybe Williams, uh, the, the remaining 20%. And it's going to be just a really frustrating situation for fantasy we also had a situation in this game where at one point they ran like 14 consecutive plays, like like, like ran in terms of running the ball. Yeah. Mariota is not going to be able to avoid throwing the ball that much. So I just, I'd be surprised if we saw a situation where the Falcons were able to run the ball as consistently and as effectively uh, going forward. Maybe it'll happen again, but in terms of your weekly fantasy lineups, I don't feel like you'll find a situation where you're like, yeah, I'm great. I'm starting Tyler Algier.
1: Yeah. Ian, give me your thoughts on this one too.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm still interested in this backfield. And part of that is I think this team needs to embrace the youth movement, even though they're doing well and they're more feisty than what I expected. They're going to keep competing. They're going to keep relying on their strengths. We saw them dial back from Marcus Mariota, obviously, uh, and still win a game. I think that's going to be a huge thing moving forward. Uh, even if Desmond Ritter eventually plays, even if Cordero Patterson, even if they trade him at the deadline, this kind of sets him up for maybe like a deadline deal. I got You got to get some part of this this uh, this backfield if you get a chance to, because it's so cheap right now. Like, if you wait a little bit longer, it might not be cheap any longer. So go ahead and jump in if you can. If if you have the roster spot, I think it's d- definitely smart to uh, to get some market share there.
1: Yep. And Cordero Patterson will be the second Atlanta Falcons running back. Uh, to hit the IR as Damian Williams is still sitting on there after being placed on it, uh, I believe, two weeks ago. He suffered a rib injury after week one. Uh, we also just saw news came in that Traylon Burks, who was carted off during the game, um, suffered a turf toe injury. So we'll have to see what happens with that one as well and how that impacts the, uh, the Tennessee passing game. But I think, honestly, after kind of diving into that, well, let's just kind of head straight into the waiver wire for this week kind of get you guys squared away with some of these claims and after a really it was a jam-packed week last week with a lot of high in town kind of headlined by like Khalil Herbert and Jamal Williams doesn't seem quite as as potent this week although I do think there are some some decent names and I think for those of you who are still streaming the quarterback position yeah, gotta take a look at Jared Goff and there's a good case out there that could be made that he might be a top 10 rest of season quarterback uh, it's not something I thought I would see coming into this. I don't think it's something I would go that far, but I've seen the argument being brought up. I think at minimum you're looking to high, a uh, high-end QB2 because honestly in a game with no DeAndre Swift, no Monra St. Brown, no Chark, um, Jared Goff played well. Give me your guys' thoughts on Jared Goff right now. Ian, give me your thoughts on him.
2: Yeah, look, this looks like the guy that was back in Los Angeles before Sean McVay decided to move on from him. This is a guy comfortable behind a great offensive line. He's got a strong running game. Jamal Williams is crushing it. Obviously, he's had some favorable matchups, but yeah. I don't know that it matters. Like He continues to put up QB1-type production. At the end of the day, sometimes we got to put our biases and kind of put our, our feelings towards some of these guys in the rearview mirror. If the production is there, it continues to be there. Um, I don't think that their schedule moving forward is the most difficult, and so we can parlay that into a great opportunity, owning only 52% of leagues you can do a whole lot worse as a QB2. You could do worse as a QB1. I know there's people still starting Russell Wilson out there, and he's obviously been struggling. I know he did better this week, but he's been struggling this season. It just makes sense. I think if you get a chance to get him and you need that second quarterback on your roster, he's performing as well as anybody right now.
1: There's a team where I'm straight up, I am actually starting uh, Jared Goff. Um, it was one where I actually started with, uh, I drafted Trey Lance in that league. And. Yeah, that's not doing any good. And but at the same time, I mean, you probably don't listen to me in fantasy after weekend that I had, which I'm I'm sure will probably get brought up here at some point. Um, George Pickens also makes the list this week, a guy that we kind of saw have a his first breakout game with Mike Tomlin finally making the change at quarterback, putting Kenny Pickett on the field. Uh, John, uh, George Pickens ends up with a 31% target share, doubling Deontay Johnson uh, with Chase Claypool also very well in behind in the rearview mirror, a, a six of eight receiving 402 yards. Cats, does Mike Tomlin, is there a way he can put this back in the box after finally letting Kenny Pickett take that start, even though we do have Buffalo this week? How do you think this is going to end up impacting George Pickens? Like, We've all kind of felt that he could be the number two for the team. There's potentially he could be the number one. I think it's still Deontay Johnson. But could we see a case where George Pickens ends up leading this team in receiving yards from this point forward?
0: That would still surprise me because I just think Deontay Johnson is too much of an alpha, and I'm not going to uh, one game where he only saw four targets for the first time. I don't know, probably ever.
1: I think Pickens, Pickens <laughs> is just like, like he is a dog, though. He's just one of those guys. Like That's why I wouldn't count it out. I think no question about it. Deontay Johnson is going to be the target guy. But if you're looking at the deep a dot, like can you uh, like George Pickens now over a 20 yard a dot, like if that capes up, knowing the conservative nature of the Steelers' offense with Deontay Johnson, like I'm not saying I'd be surprised. It's
0: it's definitely within the range of outcomes. I mean, no one's saying it's a high probability outcome, but. If it happened, I wouldn't be totally shocked. It, it could. Pickens had eight targets in, in this week four game. And what I'm most excited about is that he only ran, he only played two fewer snaps than Chase Claypool and ran just four fewer routes. And I mean, I think nope. at this point, there's, there's no, there's no denying what we, what everyone can see with the stats. Say anyone with eyes knows that George Pickens is just a vastly, vastly superior wide receiver to Chase Claypool. I've and, been
1: saying that since they drafted him.
0: We've all been saying that, and, and and now and now there's there's proof of concept. We we know it to be true. It's it's to me, it's only a matter of time before a coach as savvy as Mike Tomlin, who's been doing this so long, just puts the better guy on the field. Although though they're kind of playing the same amount already, but it, it really should be Pickens out there if they ever run two receiver sets. I know they run a lot of eleven personnel, but Pickens should be the guy prioritized over Claypool. And if he does, he could be fantasy relevant.
1: Yep, paying uh, playing guys who are good at football. What a concept. Uh, Raheem Shocker. Mostert, huh? <laughs> Shocker, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's guys who are good at football, which see him on the field. Wow, pay me the millions of dollars. Uh, you want to pay these NFL coaches, and I'll do it for a fraction of it and give you also probably a fraction of the results. Uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, out there, only still in half of the leagues out there on ESPN. I think it's a little bit surprising, uh, Ian, because we've seen a transition take place in this backfield, although we thought was going to be a a Chase Edmonds situation. Raheem Mostert has taken that familiarity with Mike McDaniel and seems like he's parlayed it into a leading role here in Miami.
2: Yeah, we talked about it last week. How we started to see the shift, right? Like it was creeping up little by little. We've been kind of mentioning it in articles and over the podcast, but now it's over. Chase Edmonds in the rearview mirror, full blown. We can say Mostert is owning this backfield. He looks much sharper. Um, actually helped me out in my underdog plays. Thank you so much. Most last week for, for gaining so many rushing yards. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, he out snap chase Edmonds, 46 to 18 last week, uh, 26 routes to Edmonds, nine. The concern there is that Edmonds is going to get the touchdown. He's going to get the valuable carries in the red zone. He got, he punched in that short touchdown, but we already can see there is a clear lead back situation in Miami. Finally, Miami just had to accept it. Raheem Mostert's your guy. And I think that running game is starting to look a little bit better. They played well against a Cincinnati Bengals front that is pretty stout. And we had talked about it last week entering that game where that was a disadvantageous situation for Miami. They come out of it putting up some impressive numbers. I think they could be a better rushing team in the second half of the year. So now is the time to buy on on their RB1. Yeah,
1: Uh, something we just need to keep an eye on just – the situation with Tua, and that changes how we view this offense, whether it's Tua back there or whether it's a combination of uh, of Teddy Two Gloves or Skylar Thompson, which I know a lot of Miami fans were kind of wondering, hey, could this guy get to look in? I think there might have been a possibility going into last week if they would have thought Tua couldn't have played. I think in the situation where you have to make a, a quick change, go with a veteran, obviously. But if you've got time to repair and time to scheme, we'll see what Skylar Thompson could do. He looked pretty good in the off-season, in the preseason, but like I said, it's – Preseason, as always, should be viewed as such. Uh, Corey Davis, we saw him actually have a decent week as Zach Wilson made his return. And kind of what we we all kind of alluded to in our own way was we were going to have to try to unlearn what we saw in those first three weeks because the New York Jets offense definitely does look a little bit different without Joe Flacco. So, Cats, is Corey Davis, is he now going to be threatening guys like Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore for one of those top two roles and how do you kind of see him this week as we do have him as a, a waiver wire target for fantasy football in week five?
0: Yeah, I think Corey Davis is something, someone we have to actually pay attention to. He's actually been pretty solid of the first uh, four weeks of the season. He's posted wide receiver three numbers or better in three of them. He, he was, he's been Zach Wilson's guy before five catches for 74 yards and a touchdown in week four. There's a clear rapport there. And I, I just wonder if, uh, if like the the Garrett Wilson takeover might be delayed a little bit because of Corey Davis. I mean, he did finally uh, be reduced to third in snaps, but it was only by two behind mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson. He still ran 30 routes and he saw six uh, six or seven targets on them. So uh, the Jets run a lot of 11 personnel and it's a bit of a consolidated target share with those three guys. Maybe one guy I'll be left out in the dust each week uh, in, in week four, it was unfortunately Elijah Moore with only three targets, but, but I think Corey Davis has value and he's proven that over the first four weeks and over last season, as long as he remains healthy with Zach Wilson there, I think he's at least worth a speculative ad in the event that he just is Zach Wilson's guy.
1: Yep. I like that one. Uh, Michael Gallup, speaking of someone who has seen an incredible jump in value and it's someone we had talked about, I think for the last like what, two, three weeks saying, Hey, look, he's out there. You can go get him, stash him on your team and not have to worry about and get ahead of this rush because that wave of people trying to go out there and roster Michael Gallup. That's about to happen. Uh, He's still out there in way too many leagues, only rostering to believe about 41% of leagues and wasted no time getting back into duty uh, playing on 64% of the plays, including 78% of the snaps and 11 personnel kind of serving as that number two option and wasted no time getting back into the scoring column, catching two of his three targets for 24 yards in the score, ending the day with double digit PPR points Obviously the upside of Michael Gallup is going to be tied to his in their quarterback and Cooper Rush has played well, but he's certainly no Dak Prescott. I know Dak is eyeing a return here and potentially the next two weeks as early as week five. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens there, but Gallup is only going to increase his playing time. And in the time where I really thought that Jalen Tolbert had a chance to cement himself into a very lucrative role on this offense with a lot of upside, He never managed to do it, and we saw several weeks where he was just a healthy scratch, and that is disappointing for someone who he thought, at least I thought myself, I know some people didn't, um, had a lot of upside coming out of South Alabama, uh, but so far just never really got together. and I I feel like he kind of blew his chance to be that lead guy when the opportunity was there, but someone like Noah Brown stepped up, who I do think will still have a role and still be involved in this office, even when Michael Gallup comes back. But when got when Gallup does, he'll end up being in that wide receiver three kind of range for fantasy once he's back up to full strength. and it's a uh, if he does anything like Chris Godwin has in terms of ACL recovery, then I feel good about Michael Gallup moving forward. and he's definitely someone who should be picked up. Someone else who I know was a big popular name last week, Josh Reynolds, uh, still out there in over eighty percent of leagues, had a decent game with the uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, depth chart really just kind of devoid of some of their top talent, including DeAndre Swift, Amon Ross, Saint Brown, um, and DJ Shark ends up having a good and they end up being the highest scoring game of the entire slate. Ian is uh, is Josh Reynolds just a one time thing or is this someone you think could actually end up having season long value for fantasy managers?
2: Yeah, I, I think this is a real thing. He's producing better than Shark uh, when those two guys were both in the lineup. We've seen this out of Josh Reynolds in the past. He had those moments of really bright, big plays uh, with the Rams. Obviously, he goes to the Titans. Things don't work out quickly there. Quickly finds a home uh, with the Lions. I think this is real. We talked about golf playing really well. Great offensive line. Someone like Reynolds benefits from that. He's a strong route runner. He's got the explosiveness. uh, Can go up and get the ball when he needs to. He's the wide receiver too. I think that's just, it was either him or Chark, right? That's the Detroit entered the season saying it's going to be you or Chark. Obviously, you got to see how chemistry plays out and see how those guys bear out. I hate to see it with Chark because I really thought he was going to kind of break out uh, in the way that Reynolds has, but This is his spot to take. We'll see when Jamison Williams, if, you know, if and when he comes back where he fits into all of this. Um, But I think Reynolds is here to stay. There's just too good of an opportunity to take. And he's playing the best ball of his career really right now.
1: Yep. I still think Josh Reynolds is actually, I think it's an interesting candidate. Um, It was someone who honestly I thought could have had a bigger role when he was down there in Tennessee where they didn't have a ton of pass catchers. So I like what he's doing up there uh, in Detroit. Uh, Another guy that we do like uh, is definitely going to be Tyler Conklin, someone who has really just kind of shined at a position that's been devoid of talent and even where we thought there was talent and then they have struggled. Um looking at you Kyle Pitts and especially you Arthur Smith because you decide to want to run the ball all the time and not trust your quarterback like just just make the change to Desmond Redder and save all of us at this point. Because right all you're doing now is just bringing Drake London and Kyle Pitts with you. Uh but Tyler Conklin another another big day 81% of the snap share doubled up CJ Uzama in routes of thirty to fifteen and so far this year, he's had a really quiet season, but sits as the tight end seven in fantasy football, averaging 11.6 PPR points. If he's out there and you're you're streaming the position, there's no reason not to take a look at Tyler Conklin. He's consistently getting targets, and even after this game, still ended up having a good one with Zach Wilson back there. And gets the uh, Miami Dolphins this week, so uh, I do like Tyler Conklin as well. Two names we touched on a little earlier, Mike Boone and Tyler Algier. I just, I just got my question for you guys is if you could only choose one, who do you think has who should, who do you think would be the number one waiver claim between Tyler Algier or Mike Boone? Cats, I'll start Mike, with you.
0: Mike Boone is my guy this week. I think I'm going after okay. him pretty aggressively just because we know Gervonta is done for the season, which means that at worst, we know Boone is a handcuff on what we think could should end up being at least a better offense. We we saw a better offense yesterday. And if we can see some more of that going forward and Mike Boone, if he ends up in the lead role, then he's fantasy viable. And we also have the possibility as we discussed that he could have standalone value behind Melvin Gordon, or maybe he's just ahead of Melvin Gordon as the one a in that time There's There's a lot of ways this goes right for Mike Boone. I think there's more ways it goes right than wrong. He's my number one target at running back this week off the waiver wire.
1: Ian, what about you? Yep. Fully agree.
2: And a lot of that's just, Game script, uh, tendencies. Uh, I know that Atlanta is going to be a run-heavy team, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be an effective run team. Whereas mm-hmm. we know Denver, they're going to produce efficiency. They're going to get those opportunities. They still have a great quarter, like at least a good quarterback, right? So he's going to get them in scoring opportunities. So I'm with you. I think if you can get Boone, and I also think there's just going to be less competition for him too. I don't know that the public is going to be super sharp on him yet until they actually see it for maybe like a full week or two.
1: Yeah, we need Russ to get cooking because right now he looks like a kid on Christmas morning learning how to use an easy bake oven. Uh, hopefully, we can kind of get this offense kind of squared away. A couple of the names, kind of take a look at, uh, while you guys are out there. Zay Jones getting Houston this week, coming back from an injury. Uh, Mac Hollins still playing well. Latavius Murray, uh, someone to check out as, uh, Alvin Kamara still continues to deal with that, uh, with an injury. And then, um, little higher in the roster percentage, but if they're out there, grab them. Naheem Hines, especially with uh, what Jonathan Taylor is dealing with, although it sounds like it won't be as long of a big of an issue. Indianapolis Colts do play the Denver Broncos on Thursday night and probably going to miss both of their running backs. So Naheem Hines would be somewhat considered, but he is rostered in 62% of the league, so your mileage may vary. Romeo Dobbs, take a look at him. Brian Robinson, someone we've been talking about just stashing on your IR. You could have done this weeks ago. Looking like he might be coming back. And also take a look see if uh, David Ajoku or Dak Prescott is still floating around as some high leverage options. But we still have another game to play tonight. And that one's actually going to be a very interesting NFC West battle. Two teams have faced each other three times last year as the Rams take on the San Francisco 49ers. And we're kind of seeing the, the 49ers in between minus one and a half minus two with the game total sitting around 42 and a half. Do you have an initial lean on an official play on kind of which way you're going on this one on the early part of the matchup?
2: Yeah, this has been such a weird matchup over the last couple of years. There's times where I look at the rosters and I say, well, the Rams, they make more sense of the better team, but that's just not how it plays out. For some reason, Kyle Shanahan just has his protege Kyle uh, Sean McVay's number in these matchups. Rams have lost six of the last seven against the 49ers. The under has continued to hit under and seven of the last nine. I like those types of trends. I don't think that they're the all uh, end all be all when it comes to sports betting. But look at the directions of these two teams. I do think that the Rams are struggling a little bit uh, because they have lost key members of the personnel. They haven't made the most out of Allen Robinson. Uh, Their running game has certainly not been answered in the way that we were hoping with Cam Akers. And so I'm looking at this. I like the 49ers minus two. You can get them as low as minus one and a half, depending on what sports book you're looking at. I like that play. I'm looking at the situation of gelling between Jimmy G and George Kittle. I think that's going to be a big positive Obviously with Debo Samuel, I think we're going to get him more involved in the receiving game, Uh, 73 yards receiving last week. So I think that's going to be a big push for him as well. So give me the 49ers. I'm looking at the total. It's 42 and a half. The trends say to go under, but I'm not going to make an official play on that because I do think this could become almost like Sunday night football where there's a lot more back and forth than what we would expect.
1: And remember, if you guys want to win a free $200 bet this season, well, as a new DraftKings Sportsbook user, you can bet $5 a win to a $200 bet. All you got to do is head over to ProfitableNetwork.com and you check out the latest betting promos and claim this offer today, and you can jump in on this as well. We see Cooper Cup listed at 94.5 receiving yards. It's kind of hard to ever take the under, Ian, isn't it, on Cooper Cup? I mean, he's just, he's just on a different level.
2: He is. He's the perfect mix between great skill set, tremendous talent, tremendous traits, hard to guard one-on-one, and then you put him in this perfect scheme to make him just that much more explosive, and you gave him a quarterback that can make any throw. Now, granted, he can also make some crazy throws, but Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup have been tremendous together. Cup averaged 120 yards a game last year in the two matchups between these two teams in the regular season. Uh, only two touchdowns in the last seven games, though. So that's why I'm going away from some of the touchdown props for Cup, and I'm looking at the yardage because we're looking at almost a 30-yard a game disparity between that line and his average from what we saw as recently as last year.
1: That is that is definitely quite a bit. But like I said, it's, it's always hard to ever uh, stay away from Cooper Cup knowing how much he means to this offense, especially when they're not getting the impact from Allen Robinson that I know myself I hoped for, and I am definitely – uh, feeling the pain of that one as of right now. Uh, we'd all see Jeff Wilson, who we know how much the running game means to this 49ers offense, sitting here at 72 and a half rushing yards, averaging 60 yards on the season, 19.5 receiving yards per game. How are you kind of feeling on Jeff Wilson? Cause it's, it's obviously going to be a difficult matchup always against this Rams front seven, even without uh, Von Miller on this team and where they're still playing very st- fundamentally sound defense. So what are your thoughts on Jeff Wilson? Because we know how much he can, he's that integral key to this 49ers offense.
2: Yeah. Like you said, this is strength against strength. Uh, Just straight up. The Rams have to do what they can to stop the running game. Uh, They're seventh in the league in yards allowed on the ground, 3.8 yards a carry allowed on the season. The 49ers are going to do everything that they can to break that. I actually like the over here. It's 72 and a half total yards for Jeff Wilson. I know the Rams are really good on the, on the ground, but that's why I want to play the total. 60 yards per game on the ground average for Jeff Wilson, plus 19 and a half receiving yards. I think this is the game where he starts getting some dump offs. We've seen some weaknesses from Bobby Wagner in the open space; hasn't really been as lateral as we've seen over the last couple of years, especially throughout his career. I think this could be a great matchup opportunity. Get in, get Wilson into space, uh, even off a chip block, just leak off, boom, you can hit some big plays, especially if the Rams are going to be playing a lot of man coverage. So, uh, 72 and a half to me is really more of a play on the receiving yards. Because I think he could walk away from this one getting 30 or 40 receiving yards and making this number look small in comparison.
1: Yep. Speaking of that Rams coverage, Jimmy G comes into this game sitting here with a one-and-a-half touchdown prop at plus 130. He's been able to hit that here pretty consistently, and getting George Kittle back, that's kind of only helping this offense. When You've got playmakers like Debo Samuel, Brent Iuk, and Kittle on this team. you got Danny Gray as a deep threat if he ever gets back out there on the field. Juwan Jennings here. I think this offense has a lot of upside. Where do you kind of lean on this one with uh, Jimmy G at that 1.5 passing touchdown prop?
2: And you mentioned it, that it's plus 130. I love the over here because I'm getting the plus 130. He's hit that in two of his last three matchups. And they're so creative. We just saw it last night uh, with the Chiefs. We saw it in a couple weeks ago with the little toss passes to Debo Samuel, the little shovel passes we don't have to have Jimmy G sit back at the 30-yard line, throw in darts to the den zone. We can get to the two-yard line, and then he does something funky, and he gets a passing touchdown credit. So I love that. This is where we're going to see Kyle Shanahan start to have fun. He's going to start getting creative. He's going to do the best he can. Both sides of the ball, you're going to see that on offense. So I'm going to take the over here at one and a half.
1: Yep, I, I love that one as well. Cats, um, you had yourself – quite a weekend and i would be remiss if i didn't at least bring this up and give you the give you the floor here to kind of talk about the weekend that you have and i'll ask also ask you too if you've got anything and you kind of want to you want to drop out here as well too but uh yeah you want to you want to blow your own horn here for a little bit
0: i I know i'm sorry this is becoming a recurring theme but i guess it's a good thing because we did this last week also the, the the cats trumpeting of the week i guess i mean first two weeks of the season Right around 500, very mediocre with just treading water. Last two weeks have been just total smashes. This week, uh, if you're in the PFN Discord, you get my player props, full card, went 10 and 4, plus 5.38 units, and even throw out some bonus touchdown props. 2 and 1 this week, plus 1.65 units, now hit six of my last seven. So it's been a good run. And uh, what I've been really uh, able to do now is in terms of getting the best lines for everyone. We got this new app that Tommy's about to tell us about uh is Pickett. So Tommy, tell the people about Picket.
1: Yeah, uh this is one of my my favorite things that we've been able to do here at PFM. Well I don't know look you guys, but if you are tired of tracking your bets on messy spreadsheets, don't know your ROI and bet record because you're on so many different sportsbooks. Well, Picket is the best bet tracking app on the market. Makes it quick and easy to track all of your bets on all of your sports books. Track your bets, shop the lines, and sweat your bets in a community of other average bettors. Just sign up today using code PFN365, and you can sync all of your favorite sports books and win up to $100 for free. Picket is 100% free to join and use. So what are you guys waiting for? That is promo code PFN365 to track all of your bets and get one up to $100 just for signing up for free. I think one of my favorite things of this so far and something I loved this weekend was being able to shop all the different lines that are out there. And I can all see the trends. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me kind of coming into this game was you guys are all kind of looking at toward more towards the 49er side of things. But the public based on what Pickett is showing is kind of looking more towards the Rams. So you're getting a decent potential opportunity here. So over on uh, according to Pickett now obviously these things are going to be updated as we get closer and closer to the game as more information becomes available as guys sync back up their line their uh, their sports books San Francisco coming in with 40 uh, fi- sorry 54% of the money but the Rams are actually getting 73% of the volume on the money line over on Pickett. Uh, based on what everyone is doing on their other sports books, and the Rams are also dominating the money of the uh, the spread, getting eighty percent of the money and seventy four percent of the tickets at minus one point five, and the under is also trending, getting seventy percent of the money and fifty four percent of the volume. All of that uh, we are finding over on Pickett, uh, the uh, app you guys can download for free, sync all of your sports books up, so you can kind of get a better understanding of not only what how you're doing being able to kind of track some of your guys's favorite uh some of your favorite handicappers, some of your favorite betters, and everyone over here at pro football network including cats like i said just coming off of a an incredible incredible week and uh how many yeah. uh just out of curiosity how many units did you say you were up uh this week cats just on yesterday uh,
0: just on well this is yesterday this is actually including thursday also right where i even okay. lost a prop but uh yeah um i'm What's up a- 5.38 units
1: that that will that'll play. <laughs> that'll play a lot. Uh well, I also want to tell you guys about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your fantasy football season. It is underdog fantasy and their pick'em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite in some case player stats and pick whichever you think they'll end up higher or lower than that number in that week's game. And you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps pick between two and five players of your pick em entry and get all your picks, right. And you'll take home some cold, hard cash. It is super simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com and download the app or, and sign up with promo code PFN and underdog will double up, will double your first deposit up to $100. Remember that is underdogfantasy.com uh, with promo code PFN get in on the action today. Uh, I like this whenever a lot of us are in agreement because it makes me feel like I'm not on an island. One thing is we have all kind of talked about before this podcast and we were kind of giving away our uh, talk to each other, our picks in our pre-show meeting. We all zoned in on one thing, Cats. Matthew Stafford and those pesky interceptions, they have plagued him during his career. They plagued him towards the end of the season last year, and they are back once again so far this year, sitting here over on underdog. Is it going to higher or lower? than a half an interception. So basically you're saying, is he going to throw an interception on Monday night football? Yep.
0: Yeah, and I think Matt Stafford will throw a pick tonight in his three career regular season or three career games against the 49ers. Stafford has thrown a total of five interceptions, which includes at least one in every game. That was just season. in three games last year. Yes. And saying with the Rams. Yes. Yes. Last year with the Rams, it's only been the Rams yeah. one year or two now, but yes. On the season, Stafford's already thrown five interceptions. He threw three against the Bills in, uh, uh, and then two against the Falcons. Only the struggling Cardinals defense failed to intercept him. At the same time, 49ers, they've recorded three picks on the season. And much like Stafford, both came in their first two games. So I think this sets up very nicely for Stafford to at least make one big mistake this uh, tonight. And think Stafford throws a pick. He can hit that on underdog
1: speaking of the Rams passing game and just actually just mentioning Allen Robinson, who has been a bit of a disappointment this year to say the least. They've only got him at 39 and a half receiving yards. And ah, this pains me because I was really hoping we were going to be seeing these numbers in the 70 plus range and that Allen Robinson would be the elite receiver that he is. But cats, I f- have a feeling I know which direction you're going to go on this one, higher or lower on Allen Robinson, 39 and a half. And just just give it to me softly, please. I've you know, well,
0: this may not be soft because the comparison I'm going to make is not going to be a good one. But, uh, you know, how sometimes I fixate on players and I just take uh, their lower every single week until the sports books don't let me do it anymore. Like I did with Kenny Galladay. Yeah, that's what I'm doing with Allen Robinson now. We did it last week. I was it was like 48.5 last week. He didn't even come close. And I'm doing it again this week and I'm going to keep doing it until until either something changes or they give me or or, uh, or they don't let me do it anymore. Um uh, I really think that the 2021 issue with Allen Robinson as we're seeing was Allen Robinson. He's commanding just a 12% target share despite being on the field for more than 90% of the snaps. And last week, the Rams used him as a blocker more and more. His routes run has dropped every week of the season. He ran just 20 routes last week. One of the reasons that I was so big on Jahan Dotson uh, y- yesterday and in his hire was because he was running a bunch of routes. He was fifth in, in routes run. Robinson, complete opposite, not running a bunch of routes. And when you have Cooper Cup on the other side, when Tyler Higby commanding over a 20% target share— there's just nothing left for Allen Robinson. So I'm taking Allen Robinson to go lower than her 39.5 receiving yards. You can expect this to be a weekly occurrence until something changes.
1: You don't know how badly I just wanted to mute you during that entire part of it. And just shut your mic down. Like, I, I didn't want to sit here and stand for this. And like I said, I had I had an awful weekend this week uh, where you shined. Uh, I went 1-12 um, in 12 in my fans football league, and I got taken out in all three of my eliminators. Like, that's, that's the weekend I have. I lost two matchups by less than four tenths and had a roster where it was, uh, I'm trying to think who it was again. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, Jonathan Taylor, Najee, DJ Moore, Gabe Davis, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Elijah Moore score less than 50 points. So, yeah. Like, it's, it was rough. So then get all of a sudden get Allen Robinson Love thrown back in my face. That one hurts a little bit. Uh, I do see you also have George Kittle uh, listed for higher than his four receptions. I know in terms of also sticking with the 49ers passing game, I've also got Debo Samuel, uh, higher than 58.5 receiving. Um, if the 49ers the, move the ball, they're going to have to do it with their uh, their top two guys. So it's got the ball's got to go through George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Had, taking a quick look over on the DFS side of things, if you guys are playing in daily fantasy, the million dollar contests are going on tonight. Whether you want it to be the the classic contest or in the uh, MVP matchups and ugh, it's hard to put anyone but Cooper Cup I get he's 12k I don't care what he costs it's Cooper Cup and if I've got the chance to play Cooper Cup I'm playing Cooper Cup like I'm not trying to make fans football more complicated than it already is Ben Squaronic is another name we've kind of been kind of looking at where like I said if, if Allen Robinson can't get it done they got to go someone else at 4,400, Ian, what do you think about Ben Skoranek as a potential low-variance low, uh, low variance play? Yeah,
2: he's been getting more attention because of the way Sean McVay's been using him in the offense, having at fullback, having doing some cool upfield routes, being uh, vertical. Obviously, he's a converted receiver who just kind of is a Swiss Army knife right now, and so it's fun. I don't know how long it's going to last with him because defenses will catch on eventually. But 66 yards last week, as you mentioned, he's, he's starting to be used in different ways. Maybe that translates to the red zone. So I, there's not a lot of low-cost options this week, but I think he could be a guy who continues to see his role growing. And it is logical to say maybe he's someone that gets an end around or maybe he takes a direct snap. And it's just kind of funky. We saw, Again, we saw it Sunday Night Football. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something funny like that again.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like you said there's not a lot of low uh low money plays this week it's a lot of just it's high play high upside players that we all kind of are all going to be on the same kind of list so it's it's really kind of build a lot of based on the narrative you like are you betting on more of the Rams being passing forward and actually getting success or do you feel like the 49ers are going to have the more logical you know rushing upside and kind of keeping everything with Debo and George Kittle Juwan Jennings at 2k 11 targets sitting third on the 49ers in target share I think he's a decent uh low money play. And then also Jordan Mason, uh, one carry on the season. So you've got him listed on here too, as a, as I said, a logical RB 2 because they don't really have anyone else. Um, maybe they could use Trey Sermon, but oh wait, you know, you already traded him away and didn't do much of that draft pick anyway. Um, so until they get healthier, it's Jeff Wilson, then maybe Jordan Mason sitting there at uh, only 1200. So a, a good money saving option there. If you need to in your DFS lamp to fit someone else, a little bit more expensive. Uh, but that's going to wrap up today's episode of the run the table podcast powered by pro football network. If you enjoy today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a remaining and review whether it's on, iHeartRadio, Google podcast, Apple podcast, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. That is always greatly appreciated. Uh, continue to stay up to date around the, with the league with the latest news by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com, where you can find all the analysis covering not only fancy football and betting, but breaking news around the league college football, and the NFL Draft. Don't forget to get involved with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN Productions, weekly giveaways, and weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineup, waiver wire advice, Sunday morning starts, plus even more betting coverage during the week to help you fill up that, that bankroll. Don't forget to, you can also get on the PFN MDS by heading over to profootballnetwork.com forward slash mock forward slash mds you can jump on the mock draft simulator you can follow ian over on twitter at nfl film study you can follow jason at jason 13 and myself at tommy garrett pfn good luck tonight good luck with your waiver wire claims we will see you guys on wednesday for another episode of the show